Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. <gasps> it's a good job I checked that. This is episode 100. I just no checked that. Just because no. you, you were it? saying, Glenn, you've never done it. I was like, we've done a lot of episodes. Now. I wonder what number we're on. No, it can't be. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> Sorry, it's not. It's 92. It's 92. <laughs> There's the intro reel. Hello and welcome to Rainstock Play. This week we'll be focusing on England's draw against the West Indies, what went right for the tourists in Antigua and what went wrong. Opening bowlers, we're looking at you. Afterwards, we'll be taking you around the ground as Pakistan's batting unit surprisingly crumbles against Australia in Karachi and India brush aside a woeful Sri Lanka, ending their unbeaten home summer with a staggering 93.7% winning rate. There's more drama in the Women's World Cup as Pakistan snatched defeat from the jaws of victory with three consecutive Golden Ducks and England fall to a third successive defeat. All that plus a pitch inspection on this week's episode of Rain Stop Play. We're back to a full quartet. Will, you're back. How's it been going? We've got, we got a less than exciting India series to talk about. Oh, I don't know. There were bits of fun to it. We got some pant balls. So I'm, I'm oh, happy did. to talk about that. Yes, I'm very well. Thanks, Dan. Good to see you again. Glenn, how's it going? Notepad and pen in hand today. <laughs> what, what are you writing down this week, Glenn? What, what? <laughs> As I was about to say, I just already started taking notes on the quality of Will's opening remarks. Um, yeah, for the listeners, I've pulled out a notebook, which I do every week. And apparently uh, the earth, the skies come crashing down for Dan and Will and everyone because they've never seen me take notes during a podcast. 92 episodes in and I've never seen that. And then just today of all days, you thought, oh, I'll whack the big A4 pad out. <laughs> It's a big pad, isn't it? It's a big pad. I think that's why we spotted it. Um, finally, Zach, how are you doing? Um, looking great today. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> For listeners, Zach has come crest, uh, dressed as a sort of uh, primary school substitute teacher. Um, you know, I'm sure you had some important work calls today. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, welcome to this week's episode. As I said at the top, plenty to talk about Uh part one we're gonna be chatting about uh the west indies and england and then we're going around the grounds and having our pitch inspection in part two and part three um so let's talk about that west indies versus england test match a proper a proper test match a decent start to the to the series in my opinion it, it was a bit slow in places uh, for those who don't know that the match was drawn uh, england making 311 in their first innings uh, west indies replying with 375 uh, England's second innings of 349 for six declared, set up a, a chase or rather a, a bit of a blockathon, uh, and West Indies ended up on 147 for four. Um, oh, I don't know if we learned a lot from this, boys, for, for either teams, because the pitch was a little bit dead. Not quite Pindy Stadium dead, but um, it, was, it wasn't it was offering much for bowler or batter here. So it was it was all right wasn't it i don't really know where to start with this so zach help help me out with this test match was it a good test match i don't think it was a classic was it but some people scored some runs and england have a pretty boring bowling attack that i don't think can take 20 wickets so let's start let's go from there 
Yeah, you know, it was all right. It was quite nice to see England play test cricket. I think the kind of days leading up to it, I was quite excited. Even if we were going to be terrible, I feel like Twitter gets quite united in those moments. Like, you don't get Twitter united very often, but when England are bad, that that unites cricket Twitter. So it's quite a nice moment there. And, you know, 48 for four, all the memes of the Red Bull reset, just, oh, just pure gold. It was a brilliant afternoon. And, you know, we came back very well. Johnny Bairstow is good at batting, which is quite nice to see. The bowling attack pretty poor I think it might look even worse for the second test with Mark Wood being out and Ollie Robinson being back in but we'll we'll come to that Jack Leach looked pretty good Ben Stokes bowled far too many overs yeah you know worried about ben, him and you know Wood injury as well it's only going to get worse that bowling attack I think should we talk about the bowlers because we'll come to the batters because we do have to praise England at points but I, I think I'm on Zach's side here that I quite enjoy the the anarchy of it all. Wokes and Overton were terrible with the new ball. Um, we got we got 311 and that was okay. And then when, you know, they were going at four and Craig Brathwaite, who is a brigadier blocker, when he was going at sort of strike rate of about 80, it was all a bit worrying. Um, so Glenn, I want to know what you make, make of that new ball, uh, new ball attack that we sort of already slated prior to the game, then offered nothing. And now we're losing our gun fast bowler as well. It's a little bit worrying looking at this at this next test. Yeah, I'd say it would go. It kind of went as expected, but it was definitely in the kind of, uh, I guess, sadder um, portion of our expectations. This was a real pessimists, um, pessimists, I guess, um, dream from from these two. So Wokes and Overton got three um, wickets between them um, in two innings, which is um, really appalling. They just didn't look dangerous at all. I, I think it says something when. Your wicketkeeper, uh, Ben Folks, uh, is standing up to your <laughs> standing up to the stumps, your opening bowler. Uh, I mean, I love the you know bringing back uh, you know, images of Jack Russell, and, and again, you know, kudos to to Folks for being able to do that. I'd love to see him try that against Wood. I think that would be really fun seeing him try and stand up there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was really uh, which is quite woeful, really. It was just clearly wasn't too bowlers who you want to give the you know shiny cherry to in any conditions but most of all um away from home because if you all know we'd have to get into it too much we all know that wokes is really solid at home and overton you know playing a lot of county cricket um he's always there and thereabouts at the top of the wicket takers in the county um, championship for somerset that's why he's in the england setup and very consistent at home against county players and i think this is those two things really came to light especially for overton you know these are different conditions and the quality of player is a step up um you know it's not like the most iconic west indies team in history but they a lot of them were very solid we'll get into them in a, in, in a couple of minutes but you know there just weren't wickets coming from them i feel like these two could have bowled and they did bowl i mean they got th- they, they bowled 62 overs together in the first innings and got and got three wickets um and then you're trying to bowl a team out right you know root as a really nice bold brave declaration nice and aggressive i love that intent i think that would galvanize the team a little bit but you know i I was you know putting some messages in the chat when we did make that declaration like i didn't feel like there's any i i loved um the intent and aggression there but i didn't ever think when we declared that we had a chance had a chance of getting those 10 it would have taken a leech five for a leech six for seven for for us to get them it wasn't coming from our pace attack especially uh when this um was compounded by the absence of wood and you can see how important wood is to this attack it's just a very mediocre 
um, attack away from home. And then another consequence of that is that Ben Stokes, as you've rightly pointed out, Zach, is breaking back leg, whole body just to fill in the gaps because he is clearly a far superior bowler to um to Wokes um, and Overton that's that's clear to see but the problem is with his fitness with his health you cannot use him as your opening bowler he's not his body will not hold up so yes we were unfortunate which which is the main the the focal point of our attack in Wood was injured yes but we all had concerns it was a it was a farcical lead up dropping dropping um Broad and Anderson without having to go through that whole thing again but you know, actual outcome, material outcome. The two people who came in for those classic, really world-class bowlers were hopeless. And that's the bottom line. And we all said it. It's like, we're not, it, the whole cricket community isn't just making stuff up. Like, <laughs> Broad and Anderson are much better than Overton and Wokes. And to say otherwise is 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 just ridiculous. Yeah, good point there, Glenn, I think. And the, the, the whole cricket community being united under that is true. It's a fascinating one because Wokes' issues away from home are not an anomaly now. He's travelled quite a lot with England and his figures I don't have to hand kept kept being put in the BBC live text and were pretty hideous quite frankly um we might be able to find some later uh, and Overton has just never influenced in an England shirt in my opinion he's never influenced a test match taken a spell by the scruff of the neck and changed a game so I don't know what they're expecting from these two opening bowlers however Will and I want to hear your opinion on this I am very thankful that Broad and Anderson weren't running in bowling 25 overs a piece on that pitch and I think it was quite nice that they had their feet up at home um, with a cup of tea in hand. So it, as much as it'd be nice to have Broad and Anderson, oh, maybe I maybe I'm buying into this experiment now. We can we can put the nail in the coffin then by the end of this three tests that that Wokes and Overton can't do it yet, and we have to nurture Broad and Anderson and make sure they're doing it for another couple of years. Sorry, quickly. Yet Wokes is thirty three. Wokes is 33. Well, give, well, let's have two more tests of Wokes and then we'll put the nail in. What I like about this is there's a sort of, there was a certain logic during the Ashes, which I think we all understood that was like, this is the wrong time to blood new players in because nobody deserves to be associated with this shambles and we don't want to curse people for the future. And and now you seem to be taking that logic one step further and saying, actually, it's almost always going to be a shambles. So let Broad and Anderson just stay at home, putting their feet up. We don't want them to be associated with any of this, um, which I think is kind of fair enough. But also, I think Glenn is right that you didn't, nobody expected these two opening balls to come in and be a revelation. It was, it's not like they're 22 year olds you've never seen before. Like, you know what they're getting from both of them, which is why the logic never, ever, I mean, it, we don't want to relitigate it, but the selection logic has never made the first bit of sense because they weren't dropping Broad and Anderson for a couple of debutants. They were dropping them for people that we've seen endlessly bowl before and know what they're about and don't really offer much. On the bowling, it was particularly funny. And I agree with Glenn, actually. I'm a big fan of it. We can do decoration discourse if we want. I was a big fan of decoration. In fact, I think if anything, it could have come earlier. Um, I think that the, there's been a bit of chat from people saying, oh, they shouldn't have declared at all back the day. I think it's pretty depressing if you're not even bothering to try and win a test on the last day in my opinion but having said that yeah it became ludicrous when you spent the last hour with Stokes bowling every other over and like to the point of falling over himself with five overs to go Overton having only bowled 10 and then just gave up on him because he clearly wasn't taking any wickets that was pretty sad to see um and at that point you probably should have shaken hands earlier but I do think it says a lot 
for Ben Stokes's attitude to cricket. We all know he's competitive. He actually wants to try and win a game. He was basically telling Joe Root, no, 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 we got this. Give me another over. I can take yeah. a wicket. But the management, sh- like the reason Joe Root is captain and the management of the team should step in there. Obviously, Ben Stokes being competitive as he is, is going to want to bowl. But Joe Root captain needs to step in and say, no, it's not a good idea. We need you for the rest of this series. We can't have you getting injured when we're, it's very unlikely we win the game. Let Dan Lawrence bowl, who, by the way, love his bowling, limbs everywhere. So much fun. And to Just, be fair, he was getting more bounce and turn than Jack Leach was getting yeah. towards the end there. Yeah. And I mean, we we just should have played Matt Parkinson, really, shouldn't we? He'd have been really handy there, wouldn't he? He would have been really handy. And just on Chris Wokes, Glenn, you have pulled this stat out. Thank you. Um, I did kind of hint it in when I was talking about it. Uh, his bowling average away from home against top seven batters is 62. The only English seamer to average more than that this century is Paul Collingwood. Bit of narrative there, perhaps. I think I'd have preferred Paul Collingwood to give it a go. <laughs> um, <laughs> with, the new, with the new cherry. <laughs> with the new well. cherry would, would have been just as effective. And that stat was taken from, I think, uh, December last year. So I don't think this test match would have helped that average at all. Look at 70 maybe instead. Yeah, it was, just the, it was just the lack of control they had in that opening spell um, after we, you know, did get a pass score on the board probably. And we had a chance and that went away pretty quickly. And there was the, this Red Bull reset as a disaster chat coming through. That can't be good for anybody. Um, and this bowling attack is is in a is in a lot of trouble really, despite um, great work from Leach, handy contributions from Lawrence, Stokes doing Stokes things. That we can't rely on that. We need a couple of opening bowlers. We'll come on to the next test in a, in a minute with that bowling attack and how it might look. Let's let's stay with England and let's talk about some batters very briefly because there was a lot of positives to come out of this, uh, namely Johnny Bairstow being fantastic and gritty and just a fantastic bloke. Um, I know Glenn. I know, I know I've not given him enough appreciation. I know you're always on the, the Johnny Bairstow uh, wagon. But how about Zach Crawley as well? I think we all know from his technique that he's got promise and he looked good in the Ashes without scoring big runs. He didn't look as clumsy as he did last summer in England. And when he went past 71 for his second highest test score, that was quite funny, I thought. Um, but but some words on England's batting, uh, Zach. It, was, it looked quite good. And I think we said this in our preview. I quite like this top seven. This top seven could hang around for a while, potentially. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I like it. I, you know, not convinced by Root at three, but Lawrence looked pretty solid at four. You know, he did what he had to do in that kind of uh, third innings or England's second innings, went a run a ball basically for his 37 and was kind of very unselfish in that because he could have just tried to cash in and been like, right, I, I'm pretty new to this side. I need to just stay here and get some runs, get myself, you know, a red inker. And so I can kind of force my way up the pecking order almost. But yeah, pretty good from him. I can see this being the top seven. I think when a new coach comes in, unless folks keeps, and if folks keeps kind of doing okay with the bat and then, you know, obviously he's, he's pretty good with the gloves, as everyone says. Although he has a really low... Um, catch success percentage across test matches so far he's got he's is, is ben folks be a good wicket keeper just like a mandela effect like it's something we all just talk about and uh, you know i've i don't i've never watched him play for surrey he's had a, a handful of games in england shirt is he actually a good wicket keeper like elite elite that that makes him this good 
so I, I tried to disprove this and I was I was really annoyingly wrong because wow. I try, I looked at um, county championship kind of fielding stats and he's he's the best. He he's the best, comfortably the best in the county championship. And I was really annoyed. I really wanted someone really rogue to be better, and it'd be like, oh, he's not even that good, you know, because 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 his his batting average away from the oval is really is pretty poor as well. So I was gonna, you know, I was really ready with the discourse, but no, he he is just better than everyone else. Where were you going with that point when a new coach in Ben Folks might? What what were you gonna say? I, there? I think he could he could he could drop out. Bester gets given the gloves, and then Pope comes in. That's what I think. Really, very happen. interesting. Yeah, it's a really interesting point, Zach, um, and good work on, on on doing the hard grind on those county championship stats. <laughs> always <laughs> always glad to hear them. Um, yes, yes and no. I mean, yeah, it, let's just say small sample size, right? I, I, I wrote, what, what folks hasn't had is a sustained run in the team, right? And we, we, we can't keep kind of tossing and turning on that because, again, you know, test cricket is still a different beast to doing it every week in the county championship. Again, conditions are going to be different, right? This affects not just the bowlers. This affects everyone, whether that's fielders, especially the wicketkeeper or the batters. Um, I also want to point out that I watched pretty much all of his 42 in the first innings. I thought he looked really solid with the bat. I think... He just looked really at ease. He looked like a test quality batsman batting at, I think, about number seven there. He's tucked in. at. Um, he was really good. Him and Bairstow. Bairstow would not have had the foil to get to that 140 if folks hadn't got in, stayed in at a strike rate of 48 and faced 87 balls. So he actually contributed with the bat. Um, again, strangely enough, just because he actually did quite well with the bat, I did end up watching more of England's um, batting. Saw a whole session without a wicket, which was like a fever dream. It was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Um so, yeah, I can't speak to his keeping that much. When I did see him, he seemed, just seemed pretty standard. But, yeah, I would, you know, again, if, if if we're looking at this lineup and we're saying we're happy with this batting, which I think most of us are. Lawrence impressed me as well. Zach, you said exactly what I was going to, that he had a very unselfish runnable uh, uh, innings. And he what he did, he adapted to not just the conditions, but the actual conditions within the game. He adapted to what was needed, which was to push the scoring rate up. And as you so beautifully said, like, yeah, he could have just sat padded or or got his head down. But, no, he's playing. He's playing he's a team player which I think is what this England team needs it's some unselfish people so I was really impressed with Lawrence I was I was genuinely impressed with folks uh, obviously we'll get into maybe changes to the bowling in just a moment but I like this although obviously we've we we, we, we can't move on without mentioning the failure of our special new opener which was <laughs> which was painful we, we have kind of danced around that yeah I, it's 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 got to be too early to cast judgment on him I think he got done by some very skillful bowling from Kemar Roach. Um, some skillful bowling we could have perhaps done with, you know, maybe Broader Anderson. They're quite handy. Um, I'll stop talking about that now. But yeah, he's going to get the whole series, luckily, Lees. And as long as he gets a little 50 under his belt or just has a partnership and just shows what he can offer, I think he could be something going forward. Um, it's not the easiest situation to come into. I think there needs to be a lot of kind of give him a bit of slack for that. First of all, England openers don't do well, generally. <laughs> Haven't done well for a long time. Kemar Roach is a really good bowler. And just the way he was setting him up, obviously, when you watch it back, it was like, obviously, he's doing that. But it's not that simple. He's a really good bowler who was getting it to hoop. And I thought he was he retired and was a pundit now. So maybe Lee's did as well. When he was back, he was like, oh, sugar, Roach is playing and couldn't quite handle him. So, yeah, we'll give him the series. And let's talk about the West Indies, though. Obviously fought very hard for this draw. Probably, for me, could have, if they hadn't dawdled so much in their first innings, could have perhaps forced the issue a little bit more with England. Um, I don't know what you guys think about that. Uh, and Krumah Bonner uh, was player of the match for his wonderful 100. 
um, a good partner, a good partnership with Jason Holder. Their bowlers look pretty good. You know, I said Kimar Roach very skillful. Uh, Spinner wasn't fantastic. I do just think they let this one slip with with their rate in in the first innings. They got to 375, which was a you know a very handy knock, but it took them 157.3 overs. Kimar Roach hung around for 89 balls, and they only eked that lead up to 60 yard. And it took quite a lot of time out of the game. Um, and I know England then batted very well, and then West Indies were on the back foot. But I don't know if you boys, when when we were watching it, the, I mean day three, I think it was was really slow, maybe 170 runs in the 90 overs, um, not many wickets, not many runs. I didn't quite understand where this match was going. And it feels like maybe if England were batting in that in their second innings with more time on the board, they might have been a little bit more nervy and, and they might have had a little collapse. But because there was such little time in the game, I think England could, could bat a little bit more freely, hence the runs they got. Does that make sense? Anyone agree with me there? I think that's a really good point, Dan. I hadn't actually really um, noticed that. I knew that it was slow going. It was quite an attritional test match at times, again, due to the due to the pitch. And, you know, there's and we'll get onto it when we go around the grounds. But I don't think test cricket as a spectacle has been helped just the last couple of days by pitches that really offer so little to the bowlers. Like It's frustrating. We want to see results. And that doesn't mean we want to see 20 wickets fall in two, three days. We just want to see really hard, hard fought games that keep the bowlers in the game. Um, but with that said, that's a really good point. I haven't looked at the scorecard and just looking at it now. I mean, yeah, wh- why is Roach who ended up getting run out, you know, hanging around for, you know, uh, 114 minutes? Um, the spinner hung around for 134 minutes um, with a strike rate of 29. Like, sure, the, the, you could say, I'm sure the West Indies would argue, you know, we want to bat as long as we can. And if we're, slow, if we're scoring slowly, that's fine. So be it. But when we're looking back retrospectively in the context of the game, I think the knock on effect that had, um, you know, towards getting a result and towards actually squeezing, squeezing time out of the game, it's a really astute observation. So I do agree, Dan. And I, I hadn't noticed that when we were getting the notes done earlier on. It was very slow going for those lower order players. Moving on to their bowling slightly, I know their, their batting was good. I think that bowling attack is is pretty solid. Like you said, Dan, the, the spinner looked really poor and he bowled, I think it was in England's second innings. At one point he bowled two overs for 12 runs and it was kind of like they were almost picking to bowl Craig Brathwaite over him and it was... It wasn't what they needed. And I think if they if they had a spinner who could hold up an end, that's a really solid bowling attack. Really like the look of Jaden Seals, young, exciting was bowling quite wide on day one, which I think got a bit of stick from the commentators, but it kept his economy down. And then, you know, Kimar Roach was doing his, his job. Alzari Joseph was getting angry. And then Jason Holder just is, I don't oh. know stats about this up, but he is, I think he bowls the most balls of anyone in world cricket on a good line and length. And just, just on that line. He's oh, stunning, isn't it? And it? But I find him quite interesting to watch because he's, you know, the West Indies are known for their out and out paces, like quick hit the deck at your chin. He, he's he got like, he's a huge man. He's got one of the biggest reaches in the game. Yet he sort of bowls in and just plops it there about, you know, high 70s, low 80s. And it's, it's, it's fascinating. But he was metronomic in that first innings and England couldn't get away. That's all I was going to say. His his economy is ri- ridiculous. He bowled 21 overs in the first innings, 11 maidens, so over half the ma- maidens, 24 runs, two wickets, an economy of 1.14. I mean, so you expect that from the opening bowlers for the first five overs with a mm. new ball, sustaining that throughout a game against a, a lot of attacking batsmen. I mean, you look at Stokes, Bairstow, all of these players have attacking shots in their armory. Superb. Um, and he looked brilliant when when he was doing doing the business out there. 
Uh, in, in his first spell, he went five overs without conceding a run and he took a wicket. Class. And he's handy with the bat as well. Pretty good. Pretty good guy. Definitely best around in the world right now. Test cricket. Oh, sorry, Ravi Jadeja. Sorry. No, maybe not. <laughs> we'll come on to that later, Will. I've just dug out the uh, Paul Collingwood stat for how bad he was at bowling <laughs> top order batters <laughs> away from home. And if you thought Chris Wokes was bad... This is this is awful. He averaged 116 against yeah. top order batters away from home. Oh, that's rough. That, he was a little change bowler though. He's not our opener, but yeah, that's pretty poor. I always he had quite a good bowling record. Um, anyway, let's look uh, ahead uh, to Barbados with the series nicely poised, nil uh, nil. Uh, for England, we've sort of you know alluded to it throughout this chat. Uh, Wood will be out injured. Uh, I don't I don't think we'll see him in Grenada either. But let's talk about Barbados for now. Uh, Robinson coming back from a stiff back or some issue with his back um, has been bowling, but he's 50-50. That would then mean Mahmood comes in, who I know we're all excited about and is a young, fast bowler. But I think you said last week, Zach, hasn't got a great red ball record even for, for Lancashire um, back back at home. So I don't know how we're going to expect him to to light up test cricket. And maybe he will. Maybe it's just that person who's got that edge, that, that little bit of summit. So we'll see. But what do people make of this potential bowling attack? Well, I don't think he's gonna he's gonna bowl. I don't think this exciting potential young bowler is gonna bowl. I think what England are gonna do, what they always do, they're gonna bring in an 85% fit Robinson. He's gonna pull up two days into the test, and we'll be back to Wokes the the absolute attrition of Wokes and Overton just pounding in for, oh, for nothing. Man. That's how it's I, gonna go down. I think, and I think you're right, but the, if our front three bowlers are all right arm 81 mile an hour, we're in deep trouble. I think in taking 20 wickets on, we don't know what the pitch is gonna look like, but in the West Indies, they tend to be a little, a little low, a little slow. We're not taking too many wickets with that. Does does Matt Parkinson get a run in? Do we play? Do we play two spinners? I mean, there's just nobody left. There's nobody fit to bowl for England at the minute. I I think that uh, Antigua has more of a precedent for spinning than, and, and it, not that it did in this Test match really, than. Barbados does so if there was going it was never going to be we were never going to play Matt Parkinson for the first test and if there was going to be a test match we would it would have been that one but yeah I'd like to see Mood, even though I was saying how his first class record isn't that great because he doesn't bowl at you know early 80s right on and he's just <laughs> he's, his action's Stevens, great is that what you're saying exactly um for the West Indies not really sure Ugh. You know the depth of their squad. To be honest, they look they look good though, Zach, didn't they? So I don't think they'll they'll want to make too many changes. Maybe a change in the spin department. Yeah, you'd like to think, but I don't actually think they do have another spinner in their squad, unless they are doing like lots of home teams do, where they do kind of a different squad for each Test match. There was talk on commentary of them of Akil Hussain. I think it was one of our English commentators basically saying he was quite good in the T20 series. He hit Sakiba move for some sixes. Maybe he could do Test cricket. <laughs> I, I can't say I've I've not done any research on this. I don't know how good he is at first class cricket, but neither did the person who was who was getting paid to talk about it. <laughs> So, you know, his first class numbers, he averages 18 with the bat and 27 with the ball. It's acceptable. It's not amazing, is it? Really? <laughs> if you reverse them, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you reverse them, it's brilliant. Uh, we shall see for the West Indies, but um, a very good game. Before we end part one and this chat about England versus West Indies, I want to talk about one of the coldest takes of the year from Carlos Brathwaite. And before I go in too hard, I like Carlos Brathwaite. Good cricketer good pundit enjoyed him on bt sport however 
he suggested that England disrespected the West Indies by not shaking hands earlier uh, on the draw on day five. Now, I know they were bowling. There was one over left in the day and the West Indies were four down. And obviously nothing was going to happen. But here's what, here's what Brathwaite said on, on BT Sport. If I were Craig Brathwaite or any senior players in our dressing room, I would have found it a bit disrespectful that in the last hour, with two set batsmen batting the way that they were, the pitch offering nothing, that England still felt as though they could get six wickets uh, in a few overs, effectively. It's a bit longer than that. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, up until five balls left, they were still bowling, effectively. Would England have done that if they were in an Ashes test? Um, asks Carlos. Would they have done it against New Zealand, India, Pakistan? I think the answer is no. So why have they done it against us? Um, now, before I want to hear your boys' opinion on it, I agree that time after time and time again, England do disrespect the West Indies test team. And I, but I don't think this is the place to attack that. I think there are way more other arguments that would that would be more compelling than England were trying to win a test match. Um, and if they'd got one of those set batters out, they were into the tail. So what do you boys think of that? I think it's the coldest take of the year, potentially this century. If anything's disrespectful, it's sending Wokes and Overton out and expecting them to take 20 wickets. Exactly. I I thought, yeah, but getting to the last over and they were like, oh, are we we really going to get five wickets off six balls? I mean, that was a bit needless. They probably could have called it a couple of overs before that. But no, on general principle, what are you talking about? It made no sense. Nonsense, wasn't it? Absolutely not. And I, I agree that with an over left, maybe shake hands and let's call it a day. But... With 10 left, of course you could have collapsed. They were famous for it in their fourth inning. They'd lost five of their last six games batting in the fourth innings. Yeah, and I think I think one other thing, just in the context of the game, you know, if this was going to be obviously a draw and, you know, maybe like if if the win wasn't on the table at all, of course, like there's no point. That's when you shake hands is when there's not going to be a result. That's the whole point. You end early because it's a waste of everyone's energy. The point being, England declared aggressively uh, West Indies, as you beautifully touched on, Dan, their slow, uh, you know, uh, batting run rate didn't help this as a spectacle or as a competitive spectacle. England did the right thing by you know, being aggressive, being bold, being exciting, playing really good test cricket, dare I say it. We don't say that too often about England. Um, and they're doing their best to force a game. It's, it's the... F- even more than that, you know, it's the first test um, of a series. You want it to be hard fought until the wire. You want a result. I, I would have, even if West Indies had won, you know, I prefer results to draws. I would have been quite happy, delighted if West Indies had won. Um, good for them. But, you know, yeah, when, when you bring like respect and stuff like that into it, purely in the, in the terms of what's happening, you know, on the pitch that day, which is England need wickets, they can still get these wickets up until pretty much the end of the game. And sure, yeah, it was quite a long tail. And although they actually did stay out there um in the first innings you could argue yeah i agree it was it was just disappointing because like yeah as you said dan there is enough disrespect um you know being being put put on west indies name from england camps regularly and for many many decades um this doesn't seem to be a case that this is just competitive hard-fought test cricket why belittle that why bother yeah spot on i thought the game was played in good spirits as well between the players and the pitch it seemed like that and just it was just a weird take and he got a bit of stick on on twitter rightly so i think so the second test starts uh, in Barbados uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, um, and that'll be starting 2 p.m. UK time. Yeah, and also for the second test, I've seen that uh, the Universe boss is hosting like a club night after oh. one of the days. I think after day two. Yes. So if I wasn't if I wasn't jealous enough of the England fans or anyone who is in Barbados this week, I am even more jealous now. That's extraordinary. That sounds spectacular. That sounds awesome. Gosh. 
Maybe I'll fly out there. Who knows? Anyway, the second test in Barbados starts tomorrow on Wednesday, 2 p.m. UK time. And that'll about do for part one. Uh, in part two, we'll be going around the grounds to India and Pakistan. Hello, welcome back to part two. Going around the grounds, lots of other test cricket going on as well this week. Uh, India versus Sri Lanka. We said this, it was like, oh, it might not be finished when we have to record. But once again, it was finished. Um, the whole series was done in six days, um, as tends to happen in, in India at the minute. Uh, Will, we'll come, we'll come on to it in a second. You weren't here last week either. India winning by 283 runs in the second test, uh, day-nighter. Um, Sri Lanka get to 208 in their fourth innings uh, very much a battling 107 from Karuna Ratna uh, but a pretty easy win for India in the end in what was actually a fairly interesting test match a lively pitch uh, Will what, what have you made of this series you weren't on last week to chat about the uh, innings and 200 plus uh, result from, from a week ago that, that me Glenn and Zach agreed should have a different name for the size of the defeat um, but that's a different argument for a different day what have you made of the series have we have we learned much um you know, what, what, what should people reflect on from, from this couple of weeks? I've enjoyed it, particularly because the time difference from a UK perspective has mean that as soon as I wake up, there's cricket on and then it sees you through to the 2 p.m. for the England West Indies. We did so, have a 20. Sorry to interrupt. We did have a 24 hour day, didn't we? Was it Saturday that we could, yep. you could just watch cricket for 24 hours straight? Nice, nice, nice stuff, isn't it? Absolutely perfect. What, what more do you want? Um, and yeah, I mean, has it been competitive? No, but there have been fun things to watch in there not least of course pant ball which we'll come on to um but also shreyas i a couple of nice scores in this test um really really cemented that middle order spot for himself he's he's going nowhere fast at the moment i think people like vihari are probably on their last legs when when other members of the side come back from injury um because that that spot is pure shreyas at this point um, and i think that also does mean that the, the exit of rahane and pajara is permanent i think we can say at this stage so that's something that this series proved if nothing else um and that life in the indian middle order is is going perfectly well without them um no disrespect to either of them but you know life, was... life in the indian middle order i always talk about having a, a documentary of some sort about the indian test team or the indian team in general but life in the indian middle order sounds like a lovely itv for sort of mid mid-afternoon show just a nice it. place to be yeah if they want to send me to india to make it i'll do it for them Please, please do get in touch, somebody, anybody. Um, I thought Vahari did a right at number three. Was this a pure placeholder job then? Well, listen, he is, he throughout basically his entire test career has been hamstrung by the fact that he is a Red Bull specialist and he's very competent at doing that. But he's not so good at that that you can't drop him. And because he's not someone who has a huge name via the IPL and the ODIT20 teams, he's the easy option to drop if you need to drop somebody out the side. And I think they're kind of proving with the Rohit captaincy situation and with the kind of Kale Rahul as an opener experiment that they do quite like this sort of consistency of decision making across the three formats. I, I think they'd really rather have lots of the same personnel. Personally, I think that's that's where he kind of falls down. But you're right. Nothing else his performance. He's an extremely competent test batter. If you put him in the England setup, he'd start every single game. And rightfully so. Dan, however, we can't let you get away out from this. I was just about to try and move the pod on to Pakistan. That's all we need to really talk about about <laughs> India, wasn't it? Um, yes, listeners will remember Dan's famous call for Bumrah to be left out of the 11. 
about a year ago. Um, yeah, for this, I think it was for the start of the series in England last summer. And you doubled down on it, which I thought was impressive. You, <laughs> you, you, it wasn't like you didn't forget him. You were just like, oh, is, is it that yeah. criminal to leave him out? I don't think he's that good. Um, and did, you, you all looked at me with such disgust when I did say that. Like I'd never been, I'd never had a reaction like that on any of my takes in the past eighteen months. Which you deserve. Glenn and I were talking about it the weekend. We think it is probably the coldest take anyone's ever said. Yeah. On the podcast. Uh, apart from Carlos. Well, yeah. Carlos apart from Carlos colder, but he was, on, he was on the pod. Not, not yet, anyway. <laughs> um, I don't think he will be anytime soon, either. I don't, you never know. Um, he does lots of the lots of the 100 content. He might come on. Yeah, we'll, we'll squeeze him in. Um, anyway, Bummer took eight wickets. Um, irresistible, it says in our notes, which I think is it's a pretty apt description. Um, I think it's also worth just just like taking a step back for a second because we kind of know that listen is it particularly healthy for test cricket that basically india win every game in india and that pitches this week have veered between you know 700 for one and 50 for nine to exaggerate slightly but those are the two extremes that we've got no it's probably not the healthiest thing in the world but it is worth summing up some of the ridiculous numbers that the Indian team is on with this streak at the moment. So they've won 15 consecutive test series at home. That's a stretch that goes back to February 2013. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Which is ludicrous. I mean, that's nearly a decade. <laughs> and it is and it is comfortably longer than any other team in history and comparable spells. So, you know, the great Australia teams that we all remember in our lifetimes, the legendary West Indies team before that, none of them ever got more than 10 consecutive test series wins in a row. The... Uh... The legendary May 09 to May 12 England team with seven um, was pretty good. It is it is astonishing, and I agree with it. Maybe it isn't great for the game, but I don't think that's that's the time to talk about it now. We've got to appreciate that this is um, when in 20 years, if we're still sat here doing it and we reflect on cricket and great teams of the past, this is one of them. This era, this long era of Indian cricket um, is going to be one for the record books. Yeah, and just sorry, well, just one more stat that um, I really love that, 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 that pulled out just before this there. Um, and now 22 instances of Ashwin claiming the match um, finishing wicket in a test win. Uh, that's the joint most ever for a bowler. And just tying it nicely to last week, you know, Shane Warne remains in our thoughts. That equals his record. Um, so, you know, fantastic stuff from Ashwin yet again, just proving just how good, how wonderful this Indian team is. Before we round up this bit, Will, Axar Patel was back in the team. You know how much I love him. How did he get on? I didn't follow this game that closely. Did he Did he do okay? Yeah, he did all right. He did yeah. a classic thing of rocking up on a pitch that you should take wickets uh-huh. on and looking pretty <laughs> casual, rolling the sleeves up, taking a couple of wickets and, and preserving his ridiculous average. Yeah, fraud, fraud. So uh, all eyes in India pivot to the IPL now, Will, right? There's uh, no international cricket from the Indian men's team before that. Yep, IPL kicking off on the 26th of March, so 12 days not, from now. Not as far we, at all. As not far at all to the festi- a festival of six weeks of cricket. God. It's more than I six mean, weeks this year. It's nine it? weeks. It's two Goodness months. Two me. full months. <laughs> oh, I think I'll do well to keep... Uh, you know, I'm obviously going to want to be part of it all. We've got our IPL preview special coming out on Saturday with special guest Ben Jones which is very exciting. Can't wait to to chat with him uh, about the IPL and, and lots of other things. But it's a big one to preview as well. So do get ready for that coming out on Saturday morning UK time. OK, let's go over to Pakistan. And we have wickets. We have wickets in Pakistan, everyone. Hot off the press. Uh, as we're recording, we're at the end of day three. Uh, Australia, 556 for nine declared. Everyone getting runs apart from a really sad looking Marnus Labuschagne who ran himself out. 
hilarious. He's he and he found it hilarious. He's he's found the fun on Twitter already, so that's all good. Uh, a stunning 160 from Usman Kawaja. Fantastic to see him get some runs. It runs for Alex Carey too, who fell just short of his hundred, being uh, bowled by Babar Azam. What a way to what a way to fall. We can come on to that in a minute as well. Uh, and then Pakistan collapsed to 148 all out. Um, interestingly, Australia not choosing to enforce the follow-on. And as we record, they're 81 for one. Obviously, as you're listening to this, that the match would have moved on a little bit from there. Uh, Glenn, you've been following a little bit of this. It's been a it's been a better test match for the fact that wickets have fallen. And I think we've got to look at how good Australia's bowling display was um, to finally get some wickets on this pitch. Yeah, just as you were saying that, Zach, we've got to come to you. You you were You've seen something. away. <laughs> I've just watched the Babrazam carry dismissal <laughs> and it is the most like Babrazam just he's bowling off ease and it doesn't turn. He just bowls a straight one. And Alex Carey gets down on a knee to sweep and just has an absolutely massive hoik and oh, just misses no. it. <laughs> What a way to fall just short of your hundred as well, and that would have that would have capped off like a perfect innings for Australia if their young up and coming wicketkeeper got his debut turn, um, not debut turn, his his maiden turn, I should say. Um, so yeah, we've got a game in our hands here, um, and it's it's looking bad for Pakistan, but finally some wickets, um, in this series. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of discussions on this pod, you know, similar to an extent to India, you know, home advantage has been so massive for Australia. Uh, they haven't played away from home a huge amount in in, in recent times. Um, I think New Zealand might be one of the main offenders for that as well. But um, yeah, I mean, Australia are doing the business um, in this test. They absolutely piled on the runs, as you said, monster score, got to that declaration. Um Five, yeah, over 550. Um, it's, it's just it's just ridiculous runs at that point. You know, you've ran through um, some of the real ones uh, in terms of in terms of getting runs on the board. You know, Smith was in there in the runs. Uh, Nathan Lyon popped in with a very handy 38. I did check that isn't his highest score ever, so I did double check that before we came <laughs> on air. Uh, he's got a couple more, not many more, but a couple more. Uh, and Kawaja, I mean, goodness me, am I? You know, just just. Just think about being able to stamp so much authority on this team after being dropped, after being messed around a bit by Cricket Australia. I mean, it's magnificent. And and only coming in for a COVID case, really. I I doubt he'd have featured in that Asher series without Travis Head's COVID case. It's crazy, do you think? Without a doubt. Um, And, you know, batting uh, in the second innings, he's he's still there. Close of play, 35 not out. Can he replicate his Ashes double hundred in two different innings um, in this game as well? I mean, he's just on absolute fire. So he's so Australia uh, making hay when the sun shines in terms of batting. What was what was really interesting about this? I woke up and checked the score and just couldn't quite believe it um, is that Pakistan didn't do the same. Everybody, you'd think watching that first innings for Australia, you'd all assume that Pakistan would be pushing 400 plus, maybe not piling on the runs quite as much, but at least being competitive. Absolutely not. Demolished under 150, a fraction of Australia's runs. Um, reverse swing came into play during this. Um, Stark bowled absolutely beautifully, picked up three wickets, completely unplayable. In swinging Yorkers, he got um, um, Fawad Alam, uh, absolute oh, pod favourite. I was gutted uh, at that. I, sorry to interrupt again, again, but he um in in the last test match was a bit of a shambles. He faced no deliveries, bowled zero balls, took no catches. <laughs> so he had a fun five days, and then he got an absolute ripper, wasn't it? Precisely, he got you know, a reverse swinging Yorker um, <laughs> that got him LB on the first ball. Precisely, Dan, he faced this series. I mean, I come on, can you get much uh, much so sadder luck than that? And, he, and um, because he stands so funny as well, was, I think everyone's waiting to kind of see him come out, and then off he goes again. We, we, we've been a, a lambless this uh, this this tour. 
it's 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 sad to see. And then the, the the middle order just offered absolutely nothing. I mean, it was only they only got to 148 because um, Newman and Shaheen put on a um, a solid partnership. They got 20 and 19, the, the 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 lowest two batters. The lower middle order had a top score of six among five innings. I mean, it was just complete carnage. Um, and as usual, um, there seems to be a trend watching a lot of Cummings bowl. He seems to bowl brilliantly and not get the wickets that should reflect his quality of performance. This happened in the Ashes. He would bowl a spell of five or six overs that were unplayable in a different in a different game he'd get he'd get a hat trick or a fifer doesn't get anything similar he only got the one wicket but bowled beautifully and him and stark bowled well together brilliantly together and Stark clearly showing why they opted for him over hazelwood for this test um really impressive stuff but yeah taken together it's just so impressive from australia to demolish um to demolish um pakistan's batting one more thing because i read quite a bit about this before he came on air i'm really really enjoying how this was kind of unfolding Declaration dis- discourse, um, not declaration um, in sense of um, having uh, Pakistan back again. There was a bit of debate about why aren't you putting them back in? The weather's coming into play. I was reading. Uh. Um, people are wilting um, over in Karachi. I think they're playing it. And the <laughs> you just feel for Pakistan. The bowlers barely got any let up. They bowled absolutely straight for God knows how many overs in that first innings. They're back out again already. So that's why Australia are really grinding this team to the dust. And you'd expect a mammoth Australian win in the next coming days. So impressive from them. Great summary there, Glenn, and agreed. I think um, they're going to go one that up in that series. Um pretty impressive actually i think to have that kind of bowling display in, in those conditions was, was very good um let's quickly move on uh, to end around the grounds of the women's world cup um as i said at the top england's third defeat in a row occurred last night sunday night uh, and will need four wins out of four to stay in the tournament uh, they lost to south africa incidentally last night and uh pakistan had three golden ducks in a row um to to, to lose to bangladesh uh zach give us a give us a summary of those two games and, and what else is going on in the in the women's world cup at the minute yeah, I've been really disappointed by England. It's not been an easy start in terms of the games they've played. They've played Australia and South Africa, who, if you listen to our preview pod, for me, they're the teams that are probably going to make it to the final. They're the two teams that have won all their games. I will caveat with the fact that South Africa played Bangladesh and Pakistan, who are kind of the whipping boys. So they did play the easy teams early on, and then they played, they now beat England, and it was a close game in England are probably all but out. They need to win all of their games, then then rely on probably some net run rate, which their net run rate could be good, but I can't see them. They've got India and New Zealand in the next two games, and I, I can't see them beating the two of them. Very close today. They seem to be quite reliant on Tammy Beaumont, and and then you know Nat Sivers scored some runs. Amy Jones scored a, a 50 to, earlier today, but that was her first kind of score of the tournament no one else is really scoring any runs the fielding's been a bit under question i tweeted um ellie about this because she said she couldn't see them making the semis and i said well, what do you think's gone wrong and i had someone reply to me saying about the fielding and get, named some really good stats and it was uh deandre dotton was dropped f- her first ball went on to make 31 matthews was dropped early on, makes 45, and England lose by seven runs in that game. Laura Wolvard today dropped early on twice and then goes on to make 77 and lose a tight one. You know, these things, there's a lot of luck involved. No one means to drop a catch, but it's these little things start to add up. And 
because I, I can't quite put my finger on what's going wrong. It seems, yeah, like I said, over-reliance over on a couple of people and just consistently, it's just not really good enough, really. But also, they have played some tough teams. And as we said in our preview pod, they did lose to West Indies. But I think West Indies could, could beat anyone. So they've lost to three good teams and it, it looks like they're not going to make it through to the semi-finals. Does this feel like a, a moment for the women's team in, in a, a we have a white ball reset for the ladies? I mean, there are a lot of players who have been around for a long, long time in this team. Um, is it perhaps after this tournament time to reflect on the structure of the women's game? Was there some hundred discourse knocking around today about how that's affected the women's game? I mean, I'm not ready for that quite yet, but ignoring that, is it perhaps time for some some fresh faces in, in the women's team once this World Cup's over? Well, first of all, I really hope that discourse wasn't really to do with the women's game. There was some discourse and it wasn't really saying whether it was to do with the men's or the women's. I have to hope it wasn't to do with the women's because the women play 50 over cricket in a kind of in a tournament that is not 18 counties. It's less count. It's, it's, I think it's eight teams. So it's and it's it's a pretty high quality tournament. It's a good tournament, the Rachel Hayer Flint Trophy. So they they all play that. So it's not the same as the men playing the 100 and then not playing 50 over cricket. The women do play 50 over cricket. It's pretty high quality. It's a good development area. And yeah, maybe it could be a time for a bit of a reset. There's quite a few young players coming through. And I think that'll only continue with the 100 I think that they they've been a bit unlucky and coming after the the Ashes they're going to have been just really down after after that they've not won a game they've not won an ODI now they've not won a game now since New Zealand since they beat uh, New Zealand at home since September it's it's not good it's just not a good time for either England national side really is it no and I think it kind of I think it's a good point we don't need to get too philosophical about it because I I can't remember who it was who got out maybe Nat Siver she got out at, at caught at slip attempting to pull the delivery and it's she sort of missed it it's come off part of her body and then hit the back of her bat and just looped her first slip i think if, if you're going to find anything to sum up the england women's team at the minute it's probably that yeah i i don't want to be mr negative here but i do think it has i do want to underline how poor this has been it's been a really sloppy effort so far we've had a couple of games that have been close from england's perspective we've had a couple of games that haven't been as close and you know looking at the extras i know zach just touched on these a couple touch on these things but you know there's been an absolute stack of wides there's been really poor discipline in the field there's you know the wides have been adding up across the games it did tighten slightly for the south africa game but the damage was certainly done in the prior ones absolute stack of drop catches many of which you would just hope to get and even you know behind the stumps there's been you know miss dumping here potentially a mischance here so although yet yeah, there's been some tightness i don't want to uh you know be, be super pessimistic i think sometimes the same with the men's team we've seen them not do the basics right in the ashes i think the basic the fundamentals have been lacking in, in, in application in some of these games especially in the field it's just not good enough to bowl that many wides in a world cup it's, it's not I think for me, the kind of worst thing for them is the fact that they don't get to play one of these kind of Bangladesh or Pakistan, one of the slightly weaker sides until right at the end when it's it's probably going to be done for them. I think after a couple of tough games, they could have really done with a bit of a confidence booster. I, I don't know what the best way to do it is, but South Africa have kind of had, they got to play both of those teams early on, beat them both. Now they play England and now, you know, they're looking pretty solid for the for the semi-finals. England's next game's India and India have looked pretty decent. 
one, two, lost one. They lost to New Zealand, who they lost the series to before this. I, I think, you know, they're favourites. And yeah, other than that, West Indies, pretty brilliant so far. One, one, two games. They beat New Zealand. They beat England. And then they lost to India. Yeah, and they got dropped by India, to be fair. They, India hit 317. And again, it's something we said on the pod. Both of those teams are very exciting because India could beat anyone as well, but also could lose 21. And one of these teams isn't going to make it through, though, still. You know, New Zealand look pretty solid. They have played more games than anyone else, though, in a kind of two from two, two from four. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty exciting tournament, like we said last week. Lots and lots of close games, but it's just really hard to to get excited for a tournament in England just so bad. But I'm trying to look past it. You know, I said from the start, I want South Africa to win because they don't ever win ICC tournaments. They've been building up to this nicely. They've got a lot of good t- good players, and we need someone to beat Australia. Uh, excellent summary there, Zach. Thank you very much. The Women's World Cup obviously uh, continues, and despite England's flaws, it's been an excellent tournament. Um, we've actually run out of time for the pitch inspection this week, unfortunately, and we have no time for Zach's quick question. Obviously, it's time to, for the answer from last week, uh, which was, who did Rajasthan Royals play in the final of the first ever IPL? And it was, of course, Chennai Super Kings. Who else was it going to be? Uh, the 1st of June 2008. That happened. Um, so, yeah, that, that's pretty much it for this week. Will, you have got a, a fun bit of news to leave us on, though. Um, and then one of, one of our ideas might come true, which which would be huge if so. Yeah, we like it when we're prescient. Just a bit of breaking news today as we're announcing this was a report uh, in The Telegraph by Tim Wigmore, their cricket correspondent, um, which suggests that the counties are coming around to our idea slash Duncan Stone's idea for a FA Cup style competition in cricket. So a one day knockout competition, um, which would also mean shorting the group stage of the blast, apparently. Um, the County Cricket podcast, as we are, are big fans of that idea. So keep an eye on it. Oh, that would be so exciting, wouldn't it? I'd be well up for that. Short sure, anything you want to make that happen, quite frankly. We'd have to send like one of us, I, I guess I'm out of this one, but we'd have to send one of you to like different games and see if there's a giant <laughs> killing. That would just be so much fun. Oh. I'd love to see one of the minor counties do Yorkshire. In. I think that would be utterly hilarious. Oh, dreamy. Um, we will chat some more about Yorkshire next week. Hopefully there is some more developments going on there. We just don't have time for it today with all the cricket going on. Um, so, boys, that'll about wrap it up. Um, will? Good to have you back. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glenn? Thank you very much. And Zach, uh, I will see you for the IPL special on Saturday. I look forward to it. You sound like it. Um, that, will, <laughs> that, that will be uh, available uh, early on Saturday morning in the UK. Very special guest, Ben Jones, for that big IPL preview. Uh, so apart from that, we'll see you same time next week. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry-free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.